affect us here, but uh, you can also write that down. Anyways, we are glad that you guys are here. We really are, and tonight there's a special treat for you guys. Uh, so without further ado, would you welcome up Jennifer as she comes to share her testimony? and truth, for I know I wouldn't be standing here now if it wasn't for your strength. Thank you for the work you've done in my life. You're a God of power, and you give living water. When I think I can't, you reassure me that I can. You're my hope, my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, and my peace. I ask that you'll calm my nerves tonight as I tell your story of redemption and may it bring glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hi everyone, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus and recovery uh, for anger and codependency. My name is Jennifer. Hi. As I share my story tonight, may you hear the hope and power in God's grace that you might consider what he has to say to you. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6.33. I came into the rooms of recovery, a broken young woman who was angry, had lost control of my emotions and no longer believed that ha having a healthy relationship with my parents and sister was even a possibility. I was born in Modesto and I grew up in a home of dysfunction. I was one, I was the oldest of two girls. I learned at a very young age how to perform to receive my parents' love. In our home, keeping items organized was crucial. Everything had its place, a purpose, and it was my job to know where it went and how it functioned. To be a responsible child, I had to do it correctly the first time or was told what a pathetic job I had done. In this false performance, I became a timid little girl and then a woman who lacked self-confidence. My dad was a hard man to understand, and his hands were hard as steel when I had done wrong. His love for team roping, gambling, and sports was evident. Team roping was a way of life for our family. Racing the wind and chasing the sun, it was a cowboy way of life. Majority of our weekends and some weeknights were spent practicing to get ready for the next rodeo. But my heart did not have the same passion for the sport as they did. This took my dad away a lot of the time, which sent me a message believing that my interest 
outside of roping were insignificant. There wasn't a day that, I, that went by that I wasn't told how different I was from them. I struggled with this word for years because it gave me the false expression that I wasn't good enough. This left me striving, fighting my way to fit in, and seeking my dad's love in worldly things. I remember so vividly a time in high school um, where proficiency tests were required to graduate. Test taking was never one of my strong suits, especially mathematics. I had one last test to pass in order to walk the stage and receive my diploma. Etched deep in memory, the words my dad expressed to me that day. If you, if you don't pass this last test, I don't want anything to do with you, and you can leave my house. His high expectations of my performances in sports drove my perfectionism and high-functioning anxiety. My mom was one of 11 children trying to find her place in her marriage and fixated on fixing my dad left me as her scapegoat. She was emotionally unavailable and her constant criticism left me fighting for approval. I never knew where I belonged and no matter what clothes I wore, how I styled my hair, her negative comments about my body left me with an overwhelming feeling that anything I did was or would never be good enough for her. The verbal abuse crippled me emotionally, pushing me further away from my parents. Secrets kept, promises made, being falsely accused, jealousy by my own family, and continuous lies told by them led to loss of trust, resentment, and anger. Favoritism between my sister and I made it even harder for me to find a place in a home where I felt so alone and unloved. It wasn't until I came into the rooms of recovery that I carried the weight of the world on my shoulders, a bitter Jennifer who carried unforgiveness in her heart. I didn't grow up in church. My family and I attended a few times here and there and I didn't own a Bible. I knew God, but I didn't have an intimate relationship with him. I didn't know how or even where to begin. I was a people pleaser. I would edit and I would alter my words and behavior for sake of another person's feelings or reactions. I would go out of my way to receive compliments and praise from my dad and others. I craved it, and I loved the way it made me feel inside, alive and powerful. I knew what men wanted, and I was good at it. In 2004, I married my husband, and a few years later, God blessed us with two beautiful daughters. I now see the hurt and the damage I did to myself and my marriage over the years. I wasn't a good wife and undeserving of this beautiful title. The pain of rejection led me to believe I was worthless to some and I was afraid to be my true authentic self because reality 
because if I didn't create the perfect image, others would think less of me. That I would only be desired by my husband if I played the part perfectly. I lived in a constant state of uncertainty. I didn't handle pain and disappointment easily. I remained in a mindset that I was in control, wanting acceptance from others, that I believed I was successful in my disease because it drove my ego and I had an entitlement attitude. My unexpressed anger, fear, and anxiety was a mask for all my emotions. Control over food and body became my impulsive behaviors. I went to the gym four to five days a week and I made a mental calculation of all the calories I consumed each day. My perfectionism, my high functioning anxiety, and my control over food slowly turned into an eating disorder called orthorexia. It's an unhealthy focus on eating in a healthy way. Eating nutritious food is good, but I obsessed over it to the degree that it damaged my overall well-being. I used food as a barter system. I set high expectations for myself, and I let negative thoughts of guilt and shame rob me as I made negotiations with myself. I let sin pile up in my life that it produced filters that blinded my ability to have healthy relationships, first with God and then with those I love. I blindly went throughout life repeating these patterns on and on by guilt. My confidence was broken and thought of being labeled left me vulnerable and scared. Those impulsive behaviors became my choice, a choice I wasn't proud of. And I went right on pretending because reality was I lived in fear, afraid to admit I needed help, I needed God, and I needed recovery. This way of thinking was the cause of my anger and codependency. It created a root of bitterness deep inside of me and my need for constant control over everything and everyone in my life. I took my anger and my frustrations out on my family. I was chronically negative and judgmental, always inconsiderate of my daughter's feelings and disapproving of their opinions. My way of communicating was in the form of yelling an everyday occurrence and damaging to our relationship. There's too many days to count that my uncontrollable anger left my girls in tears. Their little faces despaired with fear, with their widened eyes and open mouths, had lost control, and the pain I was inflicting onto them was an all too familiar picture of a young, timid little girl who so desperately wanted to please her mom and dad. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trial of many kinds, because you know that the testing of faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that 
you might be complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. James 1, 2 through 5. I was too busy feeling sorry for myself, angry, and though I was surrounded by many, I felt so alone. At times I stood at a crossroads. I stood waiting for an apology that never came. My flesh always wanted to fight back. I was furious, uptight, and baffled by comments of simple silences of ignorance and conversations. I let my sinful nature in and I wrote it on the ledger of my heart. I was trapped in a victim mentality and I was drowning in self-pity. I had no compassion. I found my worth in, wor in worldly things and strongholds were holding me back. I pushed people away. I isolated myself. I didn't trust many, especially women. And I refused to see my parents and sister just shy of two years. I lived in fear and my need for control was fueling my anger. This was my lowest point. I struggled for, with unforgiveness for many years. The pain caused by my parents and sister limited my ability to see clearly that the only true person I was hurting was myself. Like many addictions, it blinded my choices and for years, I held on to the anger and resentment that brought me into the rooms of recovery in the first place. In 2019 was like no other. For what was supposed to be a fun week, rebuilding our relationship and coming together as a family who hadn't seen one another in over a year. One afternoon over lunch, I expressed a concern about my family inviting friends, complete strangers to me, to spend Christmas Day with us. My dad pushed back his chair and he got in my face and he asked, do you have a problem with that, Jennifer? And I proceeded to say yes. Well, that's all it took. Next thing I knew, we were standing in the middle of a dirt road, surrounded by Can-Am ATVs and passing horses, yelling at each other outside the roping arena. My dad proceeded to tell me yet again how different I was from them, an ungrateful brat, and, he, and that he knew he always talked to me like a boy. He refused to make eye contact with me and ignored me the next day and a half loud enough that I could overhear his conversation with my mom. He said he didn't blame my sister for having nothing to do with me. The pain of the past came flooding back as my mom stood there in silence. I couldn't get a hold of my emotions and I was hindered by his words and her unresponsive reaction to tell my dad what a foolish thing to say about your daughters. Doing what I did best, I packed up our things two days before Christmas and told my family we were leaving 
and we wouldn't spend another day in Arizona with them. Tears flooded my girls' eyes, and they begged me to stay. In my anger, and unable to see clearly that my brokenness was damaging to us all, we loaded up the truck and we drove the 671 miles back to California. God was using painful circumstances to get my attention. Would I finally choose to follow him? And we know that in all things, God works for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8:28. I had been attending women's Bible studies at Big Valley for several years at this point. God placed me in a group of women, sisters in Christ, who walked alongside me, loving me, not placing judgment, and speaking truth about God's word into my life. It was the early it was the very early stages of COVID, and my Bible study group agreed to meet out on the baseball field at Big Valley. We missed one another, and we were in desperate need of fellowship. And we were tired of being isolated. There, I sat in a lawn chair, repeating the same old story. I was on a downward spiral unable to face the truth about my past and the impact it was still having on my life. I heard about CR through church, but I didn't give it much thought until one Thursday morning, out on the grass by the baseball field, my Bible study leader, Kathy, spoke truth and love about seeking help and joining Celebrate Recovery. In tears, I thanked her and that afternoon, I, I stepped out in faith, and I filled out a form online, and I signed up for lay counseling. I was contacted on Monday, and I attended my first large group meeting that Tuesday. It's here in these rooms I heard about God's free gift of grace, Romans 3.24 that I needed to be vigorously honest with myself to get right with God and others. And I also began to understand why small groups were a vital part of recovery. I realized I wasn't alone, and I found that being vulnerable and raw in these groups was freeing. It's here where I formed close relationships, and I started to find an accountability team and then a sponsor. Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in a multiple of counselors, there's safety. Proverbs 11:14. I was able to share my past codependency tendencies and my angry outbursts without fear of judgment. In these meetings, I found a safe place to tell my story. There I found kindness and acceptance and not rejection. My growing relationship with Jesus influenced my recovery when I joined a 12-step study and I started working the steps. I learned that it takes a tremendous amount of courage to make an amends. I had to admit the hurts, the harm, face the resentments, and wrongs others caused me 
or wrongs I had caused others. Holding onto resentments not only blocked my recovery, but it blocked my ability to receive God's forgiveness in my life. I learned to keep a healthy perspective, especially when there's an upcoming event I see as threatening or difficult. A family birthday, a gathering, my fear grew bigger than the situation. Through CR and step steady, I learned to recognize that fear is just that. It's just fear. It's not reality. <sighs> Overcoming the fear takes growing in strength and confidence in Jesus. Today I see how God has helped me fully along the way. When I turn a spiritual truth over and over in my mind, it becomes a part of who I am. With these new truths, I have the ability to know God more fully and walk the path of life with him. In the ninth step, I learned that forgiveness is an act of obedience to God and also helps release anger and bitterness, which keeps my heart independent of what others do or say. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice that we make. God showed me that in my anger and resentment I held on to for so long was really grief and loss that I was experiencing over my family. I was in an uncomfortable position of loneliness, coping and healing over people who were very much still alive. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives, Genesis 50, 20. I often feared the truth, but I learned how to get comfortable with my Bible and grow in my relationship with my Heavenly Father. My love and appetite for Him grew, and I wanted to understand Scripture better. Sometimes we stand to learn the most about God from the situations we understand the least. I learned to respond instead of quickly reacting. I'm no longer bitter, and my anger is under control. My worth does not come from people. It comes from God. Yeah. It's in God's trust that I surrender my life and will over to him. He showed, he showed me that my relationship with him wasn't dependent on my perfection, but my ability to please him, ability to please him, but rather my willingness to respond to his, his invitation of salvation. He showed me that his grace alone could change my heart and what was broken. The prayer I prayed for so long that my parents would stop fighting and we would love one another was answered. Praise Jesus. Today we communicate and we talk on the phone every other week. They may never say they're sorry, and I might not agree with them all the time, 
but now I see God was starting a beautiful journey of heart change inside of me. My relationship with my parents and my sister is in a healthy season of being restored. God has shown me that when I put my trust in him, pray and seek him before all things, I can be the first person in my family to break the generational gap that was destroying my family. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation, Numbers 14, 18. My confidence grew when I stopped placing blame and expectations on others and myself. I learned to pray with unashamed honesty, obey God's word and apply it to my life. Talking with God daily has helped me take the focus off of myself and brought peace into my home. And if I have the desire to give back in all areas of my life. God has changed my marriage after 17 and a half years. I have a greater joy, love, and commitment than I've ever known. It's stronger because we allow God into our hearts to talk openly, honestly, and lovingly with one another. We work together to resolve conflict and treat each other with respect. Taking responsibility for my part with my daughters, learning to be a reflective listener, let them teach me, give them space when needed, let go of my own shame and guilt, break old traditions from being passed down, and stop them from repeating. Though it's not perfect, it has brought us closer together strengthen our relationship, and gives us new opportunities for growth. I'm so proud of my daughters, and I love them so much. As my journey continues, the Lord gives me new insight, and the lessons of the past become more clear. I no longer have to look out back at my past in regret. I smile and I reflect on the strength I've gained in recovery despite the obstacles I've gone through. Two years in, completing a step study, experiencing a relapse, listening to recovery podcasts, journaling, weekly meetings, listening to God, trying to control, and surrendering all over again. Today, I continue to show up, work on the maintenance steps 10, 11, and 12, do the work and apply it to my life. I attend weekly meetings, take a daily inventory, promptly make amends when I am wrong, work on a four-step inventory sheet when necessary, meet with my sponsor, talk with my accountability partners. I spend time with Jesus, and out of what I receive with gratitude, I serve others. I'm a part of the greeting team, I facilitate an open share group. I'm currently co-facilitating a step study, and I started um, training in the CR bookstore. I attend um, Bible study on Thursday mornings here at Big Valley. 
I have volunteered with Good Sam. I've attended Al-Anon meetings, and I attend, um, participate in home group on Monday nights with my husband. I want to say thank you to my first sponsor who took a chance on me when she didn't have to, and for this I'll always be grateful. Countless hours spent, Monday texts for over a year, phone calls, home visits, working through step study, sharing my inventory. I began to challenge myself in weekly writing. I was hungry to learn. Your love and support during the early days of the recovery are the reasons I'm still here and I continue to grow. Love you. Thank you to my current sponsor for allowing me the privilege to walk alongside you during this process. I've been so blessed by you, your honesty, and you using your own experience in your life to teach me and help me in mine. Full of the fruit of the Spirit, a great friend and coach who's prepared me for this very moment. Thank you to the women in my step study for bravely showing up each week. It's been an honor to hear your hearts and go through the process right alongside you. Thank you to each of the women in my small group, my accountability partners, my family, and my friends. I am truly grateful for your unconditional and love and support for allowing me to be transparent in my commitment to working my recovery. You have helped me restore my hurts and wounds that are broken by the pain of world of pain and sin. I live for the hummingbird moments, and like the song goes, I don't want to miss it. Lastly, I want to say thank you to my husband, Derek. Your faith in the Lord is an anchor to our family for allowing me to heal, listening and loving me in some of my darkest hours. Your selfishness to me and the girls is God's reminder of his steadfast love for us for when we push through the hard, beauty can always be found on the other side. I love you. To the newcomer, please keep coming back to recovery. We need you here, and I want you here. Walking through these doors, stepping out in faith, has changed my life. If I had waited until I understood it all, I would have never have moved. I would have never set out. I would have never known what could have been. Today, I have found a forever family a place to feel safe, loved, cared for, and honestly be myself. It's a Tuesday night hospital for this center. The program has helped me discover the gift of Christ which transcends all understanding. I came in with a heavy load. I was lost in a chaos, a sea of chaos, and I had very little confidence in myself. I gave my life over to Jesus, and I was real for the first time. 
And I truly believe in this program because it works. Thank you for letting me share. My name is Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, if Jennifer's story touched your heart, I encourage you to let her know during our dessert time, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't have the question online or in my hand, but um, if somebody has the bulletin for our online guests, let me read that to you guys. There it is. Perfect. Not supposed to use phones. That's one of your rules. Um, here we go. It is share some of the tools that help you from slipping back into denial and how are you using them. So if you're online, um, just got an uh, email and a phone call today from Louisiana. And so definitely uh, people are uh, doing this all over the country. I just encourage you guys to keep doing it and uh, have your groups and run them. Um, but that's our focus question for tonight. Let's stand, close our time with the serenity prayer, and then we'll head on out to our uh, groups. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the things to cha change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Amen. First time guest right across the hallway. Second time guest right up front. Love you guys. We'll see you guys at dessert.